Good morning. Today we'll be studying the eighth chapter of Hilchot Shabbat. And this chapter is going to deal with the first 10 melachot uh, of the 39 melachot that we listed in the previous chapter. And just to preface and to illustrate Harambam's uh, organization, in this chapter and in the following chapter where Harambam describes the 39 melachot, for every melacha, Harambam will give us the exact amount that one has to do in order to be liable. And he will also give an example uh, of a toleda for every av melacha. <clears throat> Anyone who plows any amount is liable for the melacha of Horesh. And when we say plow, we basically mean uh, to dig a hole in order to plant. Anyone who digs around the soil where the roots are of a tree, or anyone who cuts um, grass or any type of vegetation coming out of the ground, or anyone who cuts the branches in order to improve um, the, the ground around where the produce is growing, they are liable for the toleda uh, of Horesh, of plowing, and anyone who does any amount is, is liable again. So too, anyone who levels the surface in order to make the ground equal uh, of a field or of the ground, <coughs> for example, if someone took a pile of dirt and made it fall on the ground, veridto and called and made it the ground thin. Omilehagai or anyone who filled in a hole, hayav mishum horesh is liable for uh, the melacha of horesh. and the amount that he's liable for is any amount that he um, levels the surface. Vechen kol so to anyone who fills in or, or even evens out holes. The amount someone is liable for is any amount that he does, that he does it. <clears throat> Anyone who plants any amount is liable. Anyone who prunes a tree in order for it to continue growing, to assist in its growth, is uh, liable as it is analogous to planting. Anyone who waters a plant of any of any sort on Shabbat is 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 liable for that is liable because as it is a derivative of zorea and is. Um, Liable for any amount that he waters a plant. So to anyone who puts and soaks, um, anyone who soaks barley or wheat in water uh, as it causes the wheat to get bigger is liable for uh, the toleda of uh, 
Zorea. And I forgot to mention that, as we mentioned in the previous chapter, the, the first 10 Melachot deal with Seder um, Hapat and the way they would make bread in, for the Mishkan. And all these Melachot follow that. <clears throat> and so far we have Horesh, uh, obviously you need uh, to plow in order to make bread. Same with planting. Anyone who reaps the size of a dried fig is liable. Notice that this amount is different than the other amount, as before it was kolshu. Anyone who uproots anything from the ground is uh, is um, liable. Uh, is liable because of ketzira because when someone uproots something you get the same result as if you reap it anyone who uproots anything that was grown naturally from the ground is liable because of the melacha of kotzer therefore a rock that grass grew on grew on it and, and, and a type of vegetation or grass that grew on a thorn bush. And any type of vegetation or grass that again grew on a barrel. Anyone who uproots this vegetation or grass is liable. As it is for all of these things, the grass that grows on it, or the vegetation that grows on all of these things, it's its natural place of growth. However, if someone, if you have a plant in a pot that is not connected to the ground and it doesn't have a hole to connect it to the ground, that's what atzitz nakuv is, patur is exempt. As it is not its natural place of growth. However, if you have a plant in a pot that is connected to the ground uh, ever so slightly. It is considered connected to the ground. And anyone who uproots this plant is liable for Kotzer. Anyone who reaps a plant that in such a situation that he reaps the plant, the plant's growth is promoted by being cut. Kegon aspasta vesalka, for example, clover or beets. Anyone who reaps it inadvertently is liable to bring two hataot. Ahat mishum One for he is liable because he um, reaped the ahat mi peneshehun notea, and another one because he is planting. Vechen has zomer So to anyone who prunes a tree and he needs the branches, hayav mishum kotzer is liable is liable because of them from for the melachav kotzer umishum notea, and another because he is planting. A pile of dirt 
that some type of vegetation grew on it. If he raised that pile of dirt and put it on a peg, he is liable because from the from the from the Toledah of Tolish. If it was on pegs and he placed it on the ground, he is liable because of the from the Melachah Zoreah. Any type of figs that were dried while growing, and any tree, fruit tree that its fruit dried up, anyone who removes it from the tree, from the, either the fruits, the dried fruit or the dried fig, if you re- remove it from the tree on Shabbat, one is liable. Despite the fact that they are considered detached from the tree for the purposes of Tum'ah. Anyone who plucks endives or twigs from a grapevine. If it was for the purposes of eating, one is liable uh, the amount of a gerogeret, of a dried of a dried fig. If it was for the purposes of feeding an animal, the amount is the amount of a kid, the amount that one would be liable for is the, the amount of a kid a kid goat's mouthful. If there was if it was to burn, uh, if it was to burn. The amount that one would be liable for is the amount that it would take to cook an egg. And we'll see exactly how much that is and how much an egg is in the next halakha. Anyone who gathers um, food. And this is not necessarily food, rather, it is edible um, plants. Let's go with edible plants, as that's what they would typically gather when they would make bread. One is liable for the amount of a gerogeret again. If one gathered uh, for the animal, the same amount as before, uh, the mouth one would be liable for the mouthful of a kid. And if it was for the purposes of burning, one would be liable for the amount of cooking an egg. And when we say the size of an egg, the volume of an egg, uh, we're referring to the following type. And there's actually a mahluket about uh, what type of egg we're referring to it's in the uh, in in the in Masechet Kelim, Perik Yod Zayin Halachavav, and it's a machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Yosei. Rabbi Yehuda was of the opinion that in order to measure an egg, you take the largest egg you can find and the smallest egg you can find, and um, 
find the volume uh, of both and whatever would and cut it in the average of the two uh, would be a medium-sized egg. However, Rabbi Yosef, and this is uh, like who we are posek halacha, it's um, the average uh, medium-sized egg that you would find. And his wording is hakol ato it is according to uh, whatever uh, the viewer thinks is a medium-sized egg. That's what uh, that's the egg that we're referring to. Okay. And when we refer to an egg in every place, we're referring to the medium-sized egg of a hen. Of a hen. In every place that we mention. In order to cook an egg, it is an, uh, the amount to cook a fig, uh, the volume of a fig from the egg, and the size of a fig. The size of a fig would be one third of the size of the egg, and that's and one would be liable on Shabbat. Uh, for that, as he is, uh, <coughs> as he is cooking the size of a fig. And when just to go back to the to the melachav imur, it is only in reference to things that grow from the ground. Hold on one second. Okay. Hamekabet Devila. Anyone who gathers figs that are stuck together, and made uh, out of them uh, a round cake. So if someone, again, collected pressed figs and made them into a round cake. Or if someone um, pierced figs and thread them onto a string, thereby uniting them into a single substance. This is a derivative of the Melachav Me'amer, and one is liable if he does this. Anything of this sort, one would be liable for the Melachav Me'amer. Okay, now we're gonna get into a set of three Melachot that happen to be very uh, similar. <laughs> and I'll try and explain them the best that I can. However, there have been books written on uh, the three melachot that we're about to discuss. Halachazain. No, hila, halacha, halachazain. Hadash kagerogeret hayav. Anyone who threshes the size of a dried fig is liable. And basically, threshing uh, is the process of loosening the edible part of the grain from the husk and the straw onto which it's attached. 
and it is um, the stage of preparation of bread after reaping and before winnowing. Winnowing will actually be the next melacha. And they would do they would thresh in a variety of ways back in the day. They would uh, typically um, beat the grain with a type of uh, with a flail uh, on a fl- threshing floor, or they would make um, they would have some type of uh, um, surface or heavy item tied to an animal and have the animal walk around the threshing floor, thereby threshing and separating, loosening rather. Uh, the grain from the wheat husk. And again, uh, the melacha of dash is only for things that are uh, produced from the ground. And any an extraction is a derivative of the melacha of disha. Anyone who milks an animal, hayav mipeneshehu mefarek, is liable as he is extracting the milk from the animal. So to anyone who wounds a live um, organism that has that has a type of skin, is liable uh, for the And this only applies in a case that the, the blood is needed uh, for the blood that comes out of the wound is needed. However, if the person who is doing the wounding does not need the blood and only strikes in order to uh, wound, Patur is exempt as he is being destructive. And we mentioned before that any melacha that is done in a destructive way is. Patur. And he is only liable if the blood or the milk that is extracted is uh, amounts to a gerogeret. When does this apply? When one strikes a domesticated or wild animal or any of the sort. However, anyone who strikes his neighbor, even though he, uh, his intention was to wound and to strike, to strike, he is liable as he gains satisfaction from it. And as his, he is calmed and he forgot his anger, and it is if he is doing constructive work by becoming calm. Despite the fact that he may does not need may not need the blood that is extracted, he is still liable. And when you say mitaken, it's as if he's mitaken et yitzro, he's fixing his condition. Halachatet. <clears throat> Reptiles that are mentioned in the Torah, and if anyone wants to find, it's in Parashat, it's in Sefer Vayikra, Perik Yod Aleph. Hen sheyesh lahen orot le'inyan Shabbat, kemo haya uhema va'ov. Those eight reptiles are considered to have skin for the purposes of Shabbat, just like a domestic, just like a domesticated animal or chicken 
or a wild animal. However, any type of reptile or insect or vermin, they do not have skin for the purpose of Shabbat. Therefore, anyone who strikes them or wounds them is exempt. Anyone who wounds an, a domesticated animal or a wild animal or a chicken or one of the eight reptiles and wounded them and blood was extracted from them or that there was a blood clot at the place of the wound, even though it may not have been extracted literally from the skin. However, despite it, one is liable as he extracted it from uh, the veins. Now, another example of extracting. One who squeezes fruit is liable for extracting. He is only liable, he is liable only when he extracts enough uh, liquid, uh, the size of the, the amount of a geroget. And one is only liable uh, when he treads on olives or when he treads on grapes. Now we have an exception, a very important exception, that one is allowed to squeeze a cluster of grapes into food. As any liquid that comes onto food is considered um, part of the food, is regarded, to, is regarded as food. And we find that one who does so is simply extracting food from food. However, if one um, squeezes uh, juices of a fruit into a vessel that has no food in it already, it is uh, considered treading and one would be liable. However, if one uh, suckles, no, if one uh, milks into directly into the food or suckles directly fr from the udder into his mouth, Patur, he is exempt. And he is only liable once he milks into a vessel. And again, just a reminder when we said Patur in Hilcho Shabbat, he is exempt. Uh, however, he, it is still Asur. And now we're going to talk about the Melacha of Zore, Zeriya. And in English, uh, this is called winnowing. And it is separating grain from the chafe. And it is after, as I mentioned before, threshing. And basically what they would do back in the day is that they would throw the the mixture of the wheat and, uh, and, the, and the husk and the chafe in the air and the wind would blow away the lighter chafe and the heavier grains would, would fall the heavier grain and seed itself would fall uh, would fall down separated from the chafe Hazore 
and Mechila, and when we're gonna also going to talk about Borer, and Borer is um, separating, and basically uh, things that weren't able to be removed by winnowing would be removed uh, basically simply by separating. So any chafe or any uh, pebble that was in uh, the wheat, the husk of the wheat would be removed by hand, um, by by the and we are and it is forbidden to do so on Shabbat, uh, and it is under the milacha of borer. Anyone who winnows or sorts the amount of equivalent of a fig is liable. Anyone who dries, who drains whey from curdled milk, he is, uh, it is a derivative of uh, anyone who extracts yeast uh, from a type of liquid or vinegar, as they would do back in the day. It is a derivative of borer or a derivative of meraked. Meraked is sifting and he is liable. As zeria, winnowing, borer, sorting, meraked, sifting are all similar to each other. So why did we separate and categorize all three of these things? We count all of these three uh, types of sorting and separating uh, because they were all transformations that were done in the Mishkan. And each transformation that was done in the Mishkan uh, is counted in and of itself. Now we're going to get a little bit into the more complicated details uh, of borer in halacha yudbet. Haborer ochel mitoch pesodet, one who sorts uh, edible out of the non-edible. Or if there were two types of foods in front of him. And he sorted one from another. If he did so with a sifter or with a sieve, he is liable. If one, however, if someone sorted with a reed basket or with a serving plate, he is exempt. And this is a very, very important qualification that if one does berira sorts uh, with his hand in order to uh, eat it right away for that meal, uh, he, it is absolutely permissible. And this is an extremely important uh, exception, um, one of which uh, I know I use almost every, try and use, remember every Shabbat. Yod Gimel. If someone sorts non-edible from edible, even by hand, he is uh, liable. Uh, hold on one second. 
And when we say pesolit, we're talking about non-edible food, again, just to remember. And therefore, uh, if you don't use a keli, and you do so for the sake of that meal, uh, you may do so. So for example, if you take nuts out of a pile of mixed, of mixed nuts, okay, it is allowed. Also, you can separate two foods as long as both are edible, even if you like only like one of them, because um, this the second food isn't considered uh, pesolit, as pesolit is simply is something that is unedible. Anyone who sorts non-edible from edible, even by hand, is liable. Anyone who um, takes out lupine, which is a type of legume, from its pod is liable. One is liable if he does this. The pesolet the of uh, the lupin sweetens it when it's boiled. And when he separates it, it's as if he is, it's it, literally, he is separating uh, pesolet, uh, inedible, from the edible, and he would be liable for this. An important qualification to what we mentioned earlier, that if one uh, sorts uh, food from inedible, from non-edible, by hand, but he does so for later and to save it. Even if he's doing it to save it for later in the day, it's as if he is sorting for his storage house and he would be liable. We mentioned before that if one does a birira and or if one does sorts ochel mitoch pesolet for that meal, it would be allowed. If there were two types of food that were mixed with each other, he may uh, sort the two and take one from the other and keep it for later. One may keep it in order to eat right away. If he sorted and left it uh, for a little bit of time, even if he does so for later that day, if he, uh, for example, if he kept uh, it, if he if he sorted it in the morning for shaharit in order to eat it for later, he would be liable. So just to summarize, berira is allowed uh, in three ways. Ochel mitoch ochel and ochel mitoch pesolet. Food from food and edible from edible and edible and non-edible. Beyad belobikli, by hand and not with a type of uh, vessel or intermediary. And third, rak letzorech leotah seuda. You can only uh, do berira uh, if it is um, for that meal. You need all three qualifications in order to uh, be allowed to sort on Shabbat. Halachat Tidvav. 
Anyone who separates sediment from wine or oil or water. And so to any uh, type of liquid or a drink. If it was through a sh- its designated strainer, he would be liable. Provided he strains a fig's worth. However, it is permitted to filter wine that has no sediment. Uh, so too it is a lot, it is uh, so too uh, water that is clean uh, and clear one is uh, if one filters it with cloth or a type of uh, basket that was made out of dates uh, in order for it to be very pure and very filtered. So too, one may pour water onto sediment in order for it to clear. One may, may place a beaten egg into a filter that was used for mustard in order for it to... To, uh, to clarify the mustard. And mustard that was needed from before Shabbat. One may mix it with water, uh, both by hand or by a uh, kli. So to fresh uh, new wine that was just recently, just taken out of the barrel. Uh, so too as uh, f- as long as it is in the first stage of fermentation, that is called toses. One may mix uh, one may pour it and drag all of it in order to strain it through through a cloth. Because the uh, sediment has not thoroughly separated from the wine yet. And all the wine is considered one substance. And so to mustard and anything of this sort. And because it's important, Harambam tells us that it is considered one substance because you're not extracting or separating anything. You're separating the same thing. You're separating one thing. You're separating the same thing. Uh, as it is one substance and not two different things. Okay. Halacha tet zayin. Hatohen kagerogeret hayav. Anyone who grinds the equivalent of a fig is liable. Bechol ashohek tevalin v'samanin b'machtechet harez letohen v'hayav. Anyone who grinds uh, spices. Uh, or condiments in a bowl that was used for a grinder and crushes it and crush and that we that you would take a bowl and you would take a grinder and crush uh, any of these um, spices in it when it is considered grinding and one would be liable. Anyone who cuts up a uh, vegetable 
that is not connected to the ground would be uh, liable for the uh, it would be a toleda of tohen. Anyone who saws wood uh, to gain benefit from the sawdust, or if one took a piece, or if one polishes a piece of metal, would be liable uh, from when he polishes any amount. However, one who cuts trees, one would only be if one cut the trees. He is. Hold on. If one cuts wood for fuel, he is not liable until he has produced enough small wood in order to boil a dried figs volume of an egg. Anyone who sifts the um, uh, a figs uh, the figs volume is liable. A dried figs volume is liable. Final halacha One who needs the amount equivalent of the figs volume is liable. One who needs the earth lush. Would be liable. Would a would be liable uh, for uh, being a, til, a derivative of needing. And how, what is the amount that one would be liable? One would be liable for needing um, only once he uh, does enough to make the mouth of a gold refiner's cauldron. And there, there is no needing, does not apply for ashes or thick type of sand or brand or anything of this sort. Anyone who puts sesame seeds or lin seeds that they would make lin out of in water, Hayav Mishum Lash would be liable for uh, Lash. As when you put sesame seeds or lin seeds in water, they uh, become glued to each other and adhere to each other and would be uh, liable because of kneading.